0: Good morning. morning. This morning we'll be looking at an event unlike any other in the Lord's ministry. It involves both belief and unbelief at the same time. Go ahead and turn please to Mark chapter nine. While you're turning there, um, kind of give a brief uh situation for you, let you know what's going on. Mark chapter nine. The Lord Jesus has just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and he's been gone for at least a day. Mark chapter nine beginning in verse 14. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything... Have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the Spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he, and when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. So our passage starts with the Lord's arrival on the scene. <clears throat> but it's easy to tell what's been going on before the Lord arrives by clues that are in the passage. <clears throat> we have a father who has brought his son. We learn in Luke that this is the man's only son. He brought him to the Lord so that he might be healed. It's interesting. The son had been demon-possessed since childhood. I imagine then probably that the this is the first that the father has heard of the Lord. And... um he just heard about the Lord, somebody maybe, I don't know, said to him, bring your, bring the Lord your son. Um, I saw Jesus cast a demon out of a man. Maybe uh, someone said, I was healed myself by Jesus. You know, bring your son to Jesus. The Lord can take care of him. So his hopes are high that his son will be cured. So he comes though, and finds only nine of Jesus' disciples. Peter, James, and John are with Jesus on the mountain. So Jesus isn't there. Just nine disciples. Now, very important. Um, Turn please to Mark chapter 6 with me. Just a couple pages back. Verse 7. Mark chapter 6, verse 7. And he, that is the Lord Jesus, called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. That's critical. He gave them power over unclean spirits. That's something definite from the Lord that the disciples have. The Lord has given them power over unclean spirits. So the man brings his son to the disciples. Well, I'm sorry, Jesus isn't here, but let us try instead. So they try. And they fail. The demon doesn't leave the boy. You can just see the father. Oh no. Maybe all that I was told wasn't true after all. Maybe Jesus can't heal my son. There's nine disciples. I imagine that probably all of them tried. Um, And you can see each time, you know, no, no, you're not doing it right here. Let me try. Let me try. And and each time the father said, okay, okay, here we go. Maybe he can heal my son. I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of him. Nothing. And I imagine probably that the demon reacts just the way that uh, the demon reacted when he saw the Lord. I can imagine that each time the Lord's name is said, the boy's convulsed again. Nothing happens. Next disciple. No, 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 no. Let me, let me try. Here. Okay. Nothing. Again. And each time the father's getting his hopes up, and they're dashed again. I wonder what this man is going through watching his son. Watching the disciples fail. Jesus gave them authority over demons. The fault is not the Lord's. They have authority. But there's nothing happening. What's happening to this man's faith while he's watching the disciples try and fail to cast the demon out of his son? Well, of course, now the scribes get in on the act. They've been waiting for years for this to happen and it's finally happened. Jesus has failed! Finally, this is the opportunity that we have been waiting for. Now, of course, obviously the Lord didn't fail. I mean, we know that. But as they're seeing the Lord by proxy has failed, the demon has not been cast out of the man, out of the boy. And then they get into a big dispute with the disciples. We knew that he was a fraud. We knew he was a fake all this time. And you know what? You just proved it to us. Thank you very much. You just showed that he was a fraud by your actions. You couldn't cast the demon out. And of course, you know, you can hear the disciples. I mean, they're trying to answer back. There's not much of an answer because the boy is still there demon-possessed. And all this time, the poor father's standing there, helplessly looking on. I mean, it's, it's his son they're talking about, his only son they're talking about. And his faith is fading even more. He came already to get healed by the Lord. Nothing's happened. It's been embarrassing, if anything. The disciples, by their actions, are directly responsible for the fact that this man is beginning to lose his faith. The Lord could cast out the demon. They're directly responsible for that. So why couldn't they cast it out? Matthew elaborates further on what the Lord says. Uh, go ahead and turn, please, with me to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 19 it says they come to him privately. I can imagine afterwards, you know, it's, it's rather embarrassing. I mean, let's be honest. We thought we couldn't, we couldn't, so they kind of come to Jesus. Okay, you know, what did we do wrong? What's the matter? So, verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said. Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, because of your unbelief, they had the word of the Lord to trust. The Lord had given them power over demons. They could have casted it out. But the thing is, the Lord's not going to act when there's no faith. He refuses to act. Uh, you remember that there's um, a village that the Lord visits, and it says that he couldn't do many miracles there because of their unbelief. The Lord is not going to act when there's no faith. It's interesting, from the Lord's comment later, they hadn't even prayed. He said, this kind comes out by nothing but prayer and fasting. They hadn't even prayed about it. They didn't believe the earlier word of the Lord to them. They did not believe. The Lord is very clear about that. They failed to cast out the demon. And so, along with the scribes who are making the most of the situation as best they can, they're responsible for this man's failing faith. Think about it. This man's originally coming to the Lord in faith that the Lord could heal his son. And it's like they stuck their foot out and tripped him up. Fell flat on his face. The Lord hates this. That's why he's so strong in in his uh, comment when he hears what's happened. A little bit later on in the passage, in Mark chapter 9, verse uh, 42. You probably don't even need to turn the page. The Lord says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it will be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Whoever causes one of these little ones. Let's be honest. The disciples weren't trying to stumble the man. I mean, that, that's very, very, very evident. But the Lord doesn't say whoever tries to stumble. He says whoever causes one of these little ones. And they definitely caused this man to stumble. What causes one of these little ones to stumble? One of the little ones. I was, I'm imagining little uh, Joey Shapiro, you know walking around you know and I come up behind him and I push him down that's easy I could very easily push him down it's not hard at all just like this man this this man's like that in his faith this isn't the faith of the centurion I don't even deserve to come to you Lord just Lord could you heal my son please just a little bit of faith and he's coming and he's been stumbled just like, like that little toddler. It's interesting. The Lord says it would be better for a person who stumbles one of these little ones. It would be better for a millstone to be hung around their neck. You know, one of these things that's used to grind wheat. We're talking big. Thrown, tied it around your neck, thrown into the sea. It'd be better for that to happen. And I mean, you're not, you're not going to get out of that. I'm going to drown. It'll be better for me for that to happen. It'll be, that would be a better outcome for me than if I were to stumble. One of these little ones whom the Lord holds so dear. I mean, let's be honest. Can you think of anything worse than hurting someone spiritually? there's There's nothing worse that you can do. You can hurt someone physically. But to hurt someone spiritually, for me to have an effect on someone else's spiritual life in a negative way, that's terrible. The Lord, in reference to this kind of an action, uses the word expression, woe to you. It's like in Revelation. The angel was flying over the face of the earth. In the middle of the tribulation, it says, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Something terrible is about to happen to you. <clears throat> well, the Lord pronounces that kind of judgment on the scribes and Pharisees. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, Hypocrites. For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. There's people who are entering the kingdom of heaven. Lord says that right there. You do not allow those who are entering to go in. They're going into the kingdom of heaven and the scribes and Pharisees jump in front of them and they say, no, I'm going to close this door. You're not going in. I'm sorry. I'm going to keep you out of heaven personally. Now, of course, this is the scribes and Pharisees. Again, make a a distinction. This is not the disciples. This isn't what the disciples are doing. But the scribes and Pharisees are in on this right now. They're as well causing causing this man to stumble. Shut up the kingdom of heaven. They've kept someone from heaven by their manipulation of people. Later in the same passage, the Lord says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you travel land and sea to win one proselyte. And when he has won, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Kind of like training a soldier, you know. Make him a son of hell. Okay, let me help you go to hell. Let me show you the way for your soul to be condemned for eternity. Let me help you. Jesus' harshest words are for those who interfere with the faith of another. What the scribes are doing intentionally and what the disciples are doing, albeit unintentionally, they are doing it by their lack of faith in the Lord's promise. So now the Lord comes and everyone runs to him. What are you discussing with them, he asks. The father's answer is only recorded. I can imagine probably that everyone started to answer. You know, the scribes. We knew you were a fraud. I mean, look at this. You want to see this? Your disciples tried. They couldn't cast the demon out of him. You know, the disciples. Lord, I don't know what's going on. I mean, we, we tried. Something's not working. But, uh, but the father's the loudest. Luke says that he cried out. Matthew says that he was kneeling down to him. Lord, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out. But they could not. The Lord sees that this man's faith is in shreds. And that's where his expostulation comes from. Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? not directed at the man. It's directed at the disciples and at the scribes. Faithless generation. It's definitely a rebuke to them. While it's a rebuke, it also comes from the heart of the Lord. It's an interesting part of the Lord's sufferings while he was on earth that I know I don't think about very much. What did the Lord Jesus go through as a man on earth living daily with sinners every day? Hebrews 12, were directed to consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Such contradiction of sinners against himself. Their only thought is for the world for pleasure for themselves. How, how can I feel better? What, what, what can I do to enjoy myself? What can I do about me? Me, me, me. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. That's what everybody's like, that the Lord is around. Everybody. How must that have graded on the Lord Jesus? Day after day to be around people whose their only attitude is that. He who didn't come to be served But to serve, that's his attitude. And he sees exactly what these people's situation is. Don't do that. You're hurting yourself. You're just bringing yourself closer to hell every time you do that. Stop, Stop whatever it is that you're doing. Every day he has to go through that. Watching everybody doing that. Every once in a while, I'll get up, you know, uh, in the morning, and I'll be like, "Oh man, I don't want to. I, I, I'd rather stay here today. I got so much going on today. I just don't want to do it." Imagine what it was like for the Lord every day to wake up, another day around sinful people. People like the centurion or the Syrophoenician woman are incredibly rare. People, Those kind of people with strong faith who say to the Lord, oh, you know, I'm not even worthy to come to you, Lord. Lord, yeah, you're right, you didn't come to me, but nonetheless, I'm just a little dog. Could you give me some of the crumbs, please, Lord? That kind of faith is rare, and the Lord marveled at that. It's unfortunate that he did. Most people have little or no respect for him. In little to no faith in him. He sees many or most of the people being led away from God by the scribes and the Pharisees. They're themselves even plotting to kill him. He teaches his disciples great truths. And then they either forget them completely or they find his teaching so hard they say, Oh oh, man, Lord, increase our faith. I mean, that's kind of hard for us to take in. He works great miracles in front of the disciples. And then the next day they turn around and they forget what he's done. They're faced with the dilemma and they don't know what to do instead of turning to him. I just showed you guys. Didn't you see what I did yesterday? Weren't you paying attention? If you think about it, I can do it again. Why don't you turn to me and ask me to help you? Boy, Lord, where are we going to find food to feed all these people? Man, I don't know what we're going to do. Lord, don't you care that we are perishing? How would that have hurt the Lord Jesus? Lord, don't you care? Does he care? Oh, yeah, he cares. But for them to say to the Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? I mean, Lord, hello, wake up. The, the boat's filling with water. We need you to shovel some water or something. Don't you care? How must that have hurt the Lord? I'm reminded of the uh, uh, people who follow the Lord. The Lord feeds them. Um, remember, he feeds the 5,000. He multiplies the loaves and the fishes and he feeds them. The next day, there they are again. What are they looking for? A free meal. That's all they want. Even Peter rebukes him. Lord, I need to talk to you about this. What you just said, no, that's just wrong. I mean, you need to think about what you're saying. To the Lord? What was it like for him? Someone who in the ages past had been worshipped by the angels. Someone in constant loving fellowship with the Father. Someone whose will was done in heaven, always. We, we pray, uh, the Lord's prayer, or the disciples' prayer, really. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your will be done on earth, just like it is in heaven. That's where he came from, just like it is in heaven, where his will was done. And the Lord always does those things that please the Father. And then he comes around these people who only care about themselves. Bunch of profane and godless people, day after day after day. I'm truly grateful that he was willing to do that for me. Well, praise the Lord, he did endure such contradiction of sinners. He doesn't turn around and walk off when he hears what's happened. Instead, he asks for the child to be brought. So, as soon as the child sees the Lord, uh, he has another seizure. The demon throws him down. He's foaming at the mouth, he's wallowing on the ground. And the Lord says, well, How long has this been happening to him for? The answer is from childhood. It's not something that just started happening a couple of weeks ago and maybe we can nip it in the bud. This is chronic. It's been happening to him for a long time, for years. It's like he's showing the father how hopeless his situation is. I mean, his faith has been decimated already. How long has it been going on? It's not like this is a little problem. This has been going on for years. When the father answers the question, he gives out, it's like his faith gives out a last dying gasp. He answers, he said, it's been happening from childhood. He talks about his problem again. Often he's thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. And then here's that little gasp. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. It's like he's going down for the third time. I, 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 he's almost gone. There's no more certainty. It's no more. Let's bring him to Jesus and see if Jesus can do anything for him. He's hit rock bottom. Lord, if if you can do anything, I I, I don't know. I saw what your disciples did. I'm not even sure anymore. Lord, if you can do anything, if you can do anything, Lord anything. I'm not asking for healing anymore. It's obvious that that's not going to happen. I mean, I've accepted that fact. Lord, could you please do something for him? Make him a little better in some way? Do anything. It's interesting that he's suffering right alongside his son. Have compassion on us and help us Lord, I don't know what's going on anymore. I'm so confused. Could you please have compassion? That's all that I want. My boy and I haven't had compassion all day. I'm about finished. The Lord Jesus says to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. As we saw before, the Lord's not going to heal him unless there's faith. And the Lord does reveal, just like He revealed the Syrophoenician woman's faith and the centurion's faith, He reveals this man's faith too. He shows how far the disciples and scribes have manhandled it down to. Everything hinges on the Father's faith. If you can believe, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. His son's future depends on his faith at this moment. And the weight of it comes crashing down on him. And he looks inside himself and he sees faith and he also sees unbelief. It's been a long, hard day for him. It's all up to me. I'm not sure I'm up to the challenge. I don't know if I can do it. He breaks down crying and casts himself on the Lord. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I don't know what to do anymore. I see I've got unbelief in there. I'm not up to the task myself. Was it good enough? Yeah, it was. The Lord didn't point to the Syrophoenician woman and the centurion and say, I'm sorry, you've got to have faith like that. No, he heals the boy. That was sufficient. The father saw unbelief in himself, but there was faith in there. And he cast himself on the Lord. He said, Lord, help me. Lord, I need you to help me with my unbelief. The Lord helped him. The Lord answered his prayer. Whatever it was that this man was struggling with, the Lord helped his faith. That was all the Lord was looking for. Lord, I believe, and I need you to help my unbelief. And he rebukes the Spirit. And in Luke 9, I love it, it says, He gives him back to his Father. Here you go. He's all better. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Is that a valid prayer today? Can I pray that today? Absolutely. Lord, I know that I should witness. Lord, I'm afraid to. I mean, Lord, let's let's face it. If I had really strong faith, Lord, if I really believed you, I wouldn't be afraid to witness. If I, Lord, if I saw you standing there, if I saw this person, if I really believed, Lord, that this person was going to hell, oh man, Lord, I would just be telling him, I don't care what would happen to me, but Lord, I'm weak. Lord, help me. Yeah. Lord, I'm running short on funds. Lord, I know that I should give to you. I know that you've promised that you'll take care of me. Lord, help me. Maybe you're an unbeliever. Maybe you don't yet know the Lord is your Savior. Lord, I know that I need a Savior. But Lord, there, there, there's something in my life and I don't see it. Lord, I mean, you say it's there, but Lord, I don't see it. Lord, could you help me, please? Show it to me. And the Lord will honor that prayer. Just as he honored this man's prayer. It's interesting, by the way, that this man prayed when his faith was low. He was struggling, and what did he do? He prayed, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. It's not, Lord, I believe, but I mean, I I don't believe also. Lord, help my unbelief, please. He cast himself on the Lord. When we're failing spiritually, often the last thing that we think of is prayer, just like the disciples. Lord says they didn't pray. They were trying to heal his son. When they were low on faith, they didn't pray. But the man did. Lord, help my unbelief. Jesus doesn't play hard to get. The Lord is not going to play hard to get. Even more than we do. So much more than we do. He wants what's best for us. He'll do anything to help us, short of making the decision for us, of course. But the Lord's going to do anything to help us. We don't all have to have the faith of the centurion or the Syrophoenician woman. Look at this man. How merciful of the Lord! I'm so glad this passage is in the Bible. I'm so glad. There, there's no other one like it. Where a man came to the Lord and he said, Lord, I believe, but there's also unbelief in there. Lord, help my unbelief. I would think the Lord might have turned him away. But he didn't. How merciful of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we confess that we are so dependent upon you. Lord, thank you for your mercy to us. Lord Jesus, thank you that you don't require of us perfect, unwavering faith. Lord, you take us where we're at. Lord, thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you would help each of us, Lord Jesus, to be trusting you more, Lord. Lord Jesus, I pray that we would be honoring to you. Lord, I pray that we would be rather than stumbling to someone else, Lord, because of our lack of faith. Lord, I pray that we would be, Lord, trusting You, being that example to help others along, Lord, in their faith. Lord Jesus, we worship You in Your great mercy to us. We thank You for it, Lord Jesus. We pray these things in Your name, Lord. Amen.